I'm Kaitel. And I'm Joe. And we're the United Mates. Back in our school days, a shared passion for football brought us together as best friends. Today, we're separated by an ocean. I live in our hometown, London. And these days, I live in LA. But we still enjoy nothing more than chatting about the beautiful game. So we started a podcast. Join us. A few more old mates from school here and there. And new friends too from the world of professional football and beyond. This is the United Mates Football Podcast. Hello, hello, welcome and welcome back to the United Mates Football Podcast. This is one of your hosts, Kaitel, and joining me in LA as always from back in our hometown of London is my co-host, Joe. We've got a special guest on the show with us as well. She's a Bristol Rovers fan, first and foremost, and podcasts about the club on the GasCast podcast. She also blogs about them too over at Step on the Gas. Today's guest is also a founder of Her Game 2, a new campaign run by female football fans to raise awareness of sexist abuse in the game. We welcome Kaz May to the United Mates Football Podcast. Kaz, it's a pleasure to have you with us. Thanks for being our guest. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Thanks for having me on. I have to apologise about my voice. I went to Mansfield away on Saturday and (laughs) there was a lot of singing and we scored and I think I've just completely screwed it up. But, you know, I'll try my very best (laughs) to sound normal. Uh, pleasure to have you with us what I would give to have an atmosphere like that that I could actually use my voice and then lose it in um would be nice (laughs) obviously as an Arsenal fan abroad I'm not at the Emirates ever so that actually yeah quite jealous of that but Joe on the day of recording today your team Spurs are fresh off of a North London derby win in pre-season over my club Arsenal and that that was yesterday that that happened so Joe how are you doing how are you feeling ahead of the new season which will be starting actually the day that this podcast is released on Friday yeah, I'm good, Kai. I mean, don't really care too much about the preseason game. Happy Spurs beat Arsenal. Always good to win a North London derby, but I mean, what does it what what does it really mean at the end of the day? I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty pessimistic about Spurs at the moment, but you know, it's a nice nice little uh, glimmer of sunshine on actually a very rainy day in in the UK as always. But um, Kaz, it is um, it's a pleasure to have you with us, as Kai said, and what we um we always do when we start our podcast is we ask our guest an icebreaker question so we of course have one for you and um you are of course a Bristol Rovers fan I know Kai said I'm a Spurs fan I have some ties to Bristol City so you know a bit of rivalry here but obviously as a Bristol Rovers fan you are a gas head that is what Bristol Rovers fans are known as and when you kind of think of gas heads I suppose if you translated that into a sort of more English term that could be a petrol head so what we're going to ask you Kaz is what is your favorite car but we're gonna we'll give you some time to think so I'll answer first and then I'll I'll ask Kai but I'll go with a nice Aston Martin I was having a look at some earlier maybe maybe a DB11 they look quite nice I mean I don't even have a driving license so I'm not that mad on them but I'll go with that Kai how about you you drive a lot in LA What, what would you ideally like to be driving well, I, there must be something about boys and cars because I was going to answer uh, Aston Martin as well. I think it's the James Bond thing, isn't it? Um, I don't know if I'm just vicariously, yeah, kind of living the life of a, of a secret agent and, and dreaming of driving an Aston Martin or something. But it's pretty far away from reality as I, I drive an 06 Ford Focus out here that is very run down and has nearly 200,000 miles on it. So 
I, it gets me from uh, from A to Z, A to Z, whatever you want to call it. But Kaz, now that you've had yeah, a moment to, to ponder <laughs> about it, what, what would your favourite car be? Do you know what? I was having this conversation with someone the other day. I'm not like a, a car fanatic at all. Like I will literally drive anything. I actually prefer the older style cars. I would happily drive around in a banger. Like I, I would, I wouldn't care. Like as long as it gets me wherever I need to go. Like I'll drive. I even like you know that old school. Like when you have to wind down the the windows manually and it, you know <laughs> just keep it simple. Um, but yeah, my um my granddad was really into like retro cars. He used to like collect them. So he'd have like a, a Rolls Royce and like a Morris Minor, like all those fancy ones. They had like the massive steering wheels and they had um. They'd have seat belts. They were that old. So I, I like I like the older ones. So I don't know. You haven't really got an answer there, but um, <laughs> I'm not fussy. Basically, I'll happily drive. You know, an, an old car. I did like Beetles. I used to think they were quite cute. You know, you know, I don't think they're continuing anymore. But I do like a, a good classic Beetle. Yeah, yeah, the VW Beetle's a good one. Plus, there's that game. Yeah. Um, I don't know if everyone's aware of it, Punch Buggy, where if you're driving along and you've got your mates alongside you or your brothers or whatnot, it would have been my brothers in my childhood. You see one of those and you call out Punch Buggy and you get to punch them, which uh, I guess, yeah, maybe uh, moving on from violence to, to a bit more football chat, perhaps. Although before I do jump ahead, um, my car, I can confess, is one of those ones where you have to manually roll down the windows and you have to also manually lock, lock all of the doors as well. So I'm constantly... <laughs> After I leave my car, like a minute later, I'll run back and furiously like pull on the door handles to make sure that I've locked it. And I think people think that I'm like breaking into a car, but it's just, yeah, just me just being paranoid. Anyway, on to Bristol Rovers, Kaz. And we want to speak a bit about your relationship with that club and sort of how that began in your in your childhood um, in particular. So where did the affiliation come from? Because I think that you have some City fans in your family as well. So how, how did you become a Bristol Rovers fan? Yeah, so um, everyone, whenever I mention that half of my family are City, everyone is just so surprised by it because it is, yeah, it is unheard of. Um, so I had the choice growing up as a kid. So I had my mum that was Bristol Rovers and my dad that was Bristol City. And I did try both. You know, I gave them both a fair chance. Um, my dad perhaps made the mistake of taking me to City when I was a little too young. But also what I think about going to your first game is you need to, it needs to be a good atmosphere. Um, and I think that is a massive factor about whether you get hooked or not. Um, so my dad took me to a Bristol City game and I think they lost and it was very toxic and it wasn't very nice. Um, and I was like, oh, I hate this. I don't understand what the hype is. And I, after that, I really didn't like football. Like I hated it. Whenever it was on telly, I was like, turn it off. I want to watch Tracy Beaker instead. Like used to kick off about it. Um, and then my mum was talking about going to the JPT final which is at the Millennium Stadium in Cardiff, which Rovers got to. Um, and she was talking about it. And I thought, do you know what? Yeah, I'm going to give it another go. So um, she got me a ticket to that, which she was obviously delighted about because she knew that the atmosphere, everything to do with that game, I was going to get sucked into it because the moment I stepped off that train as a 12-year-old girl, it was just like flooded with blue and white. Everyone was singing. Everyone was happy. Everyone was in a great mood. I mean, you got to the final why would anyone be in a bad mood? Everyone was really welcoming to me. Um, I felt like as a 12-year-old girl, I was just one of the adults, you know, I was joining in with the, I, obviously I wasn't drinking or anything like that, but I felt like I was really involved and they were like including me and it was just really lovely. And I think the atmosphere for me is what what sold it um, for Bristol Rovers. We didn't even win the game. We didn't need to win the game. Um, it was just, it was the fans, I think for me, which, which drew me in. And then my poor mum after that, she 
<laughs> every day I was like I want to go to Rovers when's the next game when's the next game get me a season ticket when's the next game and she just yeah would have to take me to every single game and then we got to the playoff final after that which we then did win and then there was no going back after that I was fully hooked and yeah it's made my life a misery ever since but you know <laughs> we keep going yeah it sounds like mom I suppose won on that occasion sort of created a, mm-hmm. a monster in the best way in terms of a new Bristol Rovers <laughs> fan um do you have yeah. any personal history with playing in your childhood um or do you get up to any sort of play and ever kick the ball around these days yeah so it's funny because like when I said I didn't like football as a kid I liked playing it but I didn't like I just didn't like watching it um so I remember in the garden I used to just kick the football against the wall <laughs> constantly and pretend I was scoring a goal I was really young by the way this wasn't like last week um I was like yeah pretend I'd score a goal and like run around the garden celebrate um and then so when I finally got the opportunity to join an actual team I, I was really excited for it really wanted to play so um yeah I just played for like the local girls side um I always find as a woman in football it's it's not as easy as, as it is for men to, to find a, a local team to play for so you've kind of got to like from young ages it's quite difficult and then when you find the opportunity you kind of got to take it up um so yeah I really enjoyed it I played midfield um kind of like the engine of the team scored a couple goals (laughs) um but yeah no I did really enjoy playing um but unfortunately I started I didn't go to university or anything like that so I started full-time uh work as soon as I left school really um and from then on I found it really difficult to get to training and stuff because of the times of it and traveling I, I worked right in the center so I'd have to travel to get to train I'd always be like late and I just find it quite stressful so um couldn't really keep up with it and I obviously started going to Rovers on my own without mummy by my side I had my own friends now and a lot of our days out are out drinking on a Saturday so getting up early on a Sunday to play a game of football was uh, <laughs> not the easiest uh, thing to do so yeah unfortunately I couldn't really keep it up but yeah I did enjoy it. Well it's good you enjoyed it and yeah I certainly know that feeling having to, having to wake up early to play football when you're hungover um, as I do sometimes on Saturday mornings I must say but um you obviously, Kaz, you told us about, you know, you went to the, the Johnston Paints trophy game at Cardiff with your mum when you were 12, um, which was obviously a great experience. Bristol Rovers didn't win, but you were hooked from that point. Um, and you were playing football in a girls team as well. But when, I guess, when you were at school with um, the girls in your classes, were there were there many other girls at school that also liked football? Was there, were there other girls you could kind of sort of chat about Bristol Rovers with or just general football? No, like not at all. Um, it's yeah, it was really difficult in school actually because a lot of a lot of girls just thought I was weird. Um, they didn't get it. They were they thought that like, yeah, it was strange for a girl to like football. Um, the you know like oh like she she's getting on with the boys. I like, didn't really like the the fact that I could just talk to the boys about something like in common, and so then that would cause a bit of problems. Uh, yeah, that I didn't think there was any. There was a couple of girls who said to me, oh yeah, I quite like to go. Um, but again, I'm taking them to like Crawley home on a Tuesday night or something. And it's just, it's not the same as like when you're a kid and you're just like thrown into that atmosphere. So unfortunately, they didn't really want to continue going. They, they quite, they quite, yeah, I thought it was right. I mean, like, but they didn't, they didn't get hooked the way I did. I think like, you know, there's, there's certain factors to, to things that get people actually involved. Um, so yeah, sadly, I didn't really have any girl mates um, that would go to football with me, but um I do now you know I didn't, I didn't go to school with her but my friend Lucy like, I go to every game with her now and it's great just to have that female companion but I will say it is rare to find a woman that's so into football like the same way that I am 
yeah no i can i can understand that but um i guess going back as well to you know from the age of 12 it sounds like this is when you started being hooked on football at what point was it that you were sort of able to see for the first time that being a fan of football as a woman or as a girl you weren't being treated equally to someone who was a boy or a man supporting um, a team when when did that first become apparent to you Mm, I would say from like when I was about 14 I mean it was always obvious that there's a lot more men than women anyone could see that um and that's just always been the thing um but I think I never really realized how serious it was literally until the last year when it started affecting me mentally and I was like this is just not right like I'm just trying to watch football um but since like the campaigns come about and I've looked back and I think I think of all these incidents where I've been a young girl and I've noticed things so um, it'll be just like you know walking through the pub and a man will think it's appropriate just to like touch you or grab you or say you've got nice tits and things like that and like you know so there's one time where someone told me I had nice bristles which is slang for boobs and uh, I was only yeah I was only young and I just thought this is not right um, but a lot of the girls would agree with me we just figured it was the norm and we just you know that that's how it is that's just football um you know it's a misogynistic culture we just gotta get on with it kind of thing um you know i've seen girls walking in front of a crowd and i've heard get your tits up for the lads chance everyone's heard that it, you know get back to the kitchen all those things yeah we've just sort of accepted it um and yeah a lot of girls would would back me on that it's just something that we we kind of just just taken as part of being a female football fan and yeah now we realize actually why, why should we you know it's not it's not right but um yeah it's been going on for years and um it's, it's everyone's always been aware of it just no one's really done anything about it till now <laughs> I'm in a less privileged position in terms of experience, having fortunately been on neither side of that experience, you know, to, to really comment on it. But I think um, concentrating on upsetting someone with a chance should be reserved for away fans only. And obviously, you know, when it comes to something that people don't have control over, gender, sexuality, race and whatnot, just leave it out. But we're going to get into the response about, um, about the campaign and, and things like that a bit more later on. Yeah, we are. We'll talk about it a bit later. But now we've actually we've got a game for you, Kaz. That we're going Ooh, to play. Game. Yeah. <laughs> so hopefully, yeah, hopefully you enjoy this. But essentially, we um we had a bit of a look at your Twitter, Kaz, and we saw that you did a bit of advertising for Bristol Rovers. I think it looked like you were on an advert um, in Redland. I think it was in Bristol. And um, funnily enough, Kaitel and I have both also appeared in advertising. Um, Kaitel and I kid you not, actually appeared in advertising when he was younger with Michael Jordan, arguably the most famous athlete of all time, him and his twin brother, that happened. Wow. And, yeah, which is pretty cool, pretty cool. So cool. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I, was in, I was in a soft drink advert when I was six, uh, randomly as well. So there we go, we all, have, we all have our little bit of advertising. So the game is going to be, is that I'm going to ask um, both of you questions and it's effectively going to be questions about footballers who have appeared in adverts or have they it's going to be true or false questions so I'm going to give you one and you're going to have to work out if it's true or false and you're both you can both kind of say true or false and we'll just see who wins at the end so I've got a few of these so I will start with the first one which is Carlos Tevez did some advertising for Cartoon Network true or false I yeah I, I could see it being like Cartoon Network in Argentina that he did some advertising for so yeah why not i'm gonna say yes okay kai's going, going through kaz what about you 
false for that, I think. I just can't picture it. I really can't. Okay, interesting. So we've got a true and we've got a false. I can reveal that it's true. Carl's Tevez did <laughs> do some advertising for Cartoon Network, but it's a really weird... He's just he's dancing in a room with nothing behind him. Really weird. Really strange. But yeah, it was in sort of the... Uh, he must have... I think Kai's got it spot on. I think he must have been a young Carlos Tevez. But I yeah, need to okay. look that up. That sounds hilarious. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> it's very weird. Um, so that's the first one. Now we'll go for number two, which is Ray Parler advertising for McCoy's chips. Um, Kaz, how about you? We'll start with you. True or false? I just feel like, why, why would you Why would you make that up? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, it's so <laughs> random. Uh, but I don't know if it's like a trick question. Like, it might be another brand of crisps. So, do you know what I mean? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I'm going to go false again. False, okay. Kaz is going <laughs> false. Kai, what are you going with? I know for sure he likes a cheeky Cobra beer, but otherwise, <laughs> when it comes to um, to the crisp, I'm going to say false. False. Okay, we've got two falses, and you're both correct. It's false. Yeah, I did. I just, I, I don't know why. I just thought Ray Parler and McCoy's. Why not? Why not put them together? So there we go. Um, let's move on to the third one, which is Rio Ferdinand doing an advert for Lynx. Yeah. I okay. Yeah. Kaz has gone straight in with true there. Okay. <laughs> Kai, what about you? What you say? Just to make it interesting, I'll say false, because I definitely don't remember it, but it might have happened, yeah. But still false, let's say. Did it happen? Kai's right again. It didn't, ah! well, it didn't happen. It's a shame. I mean, I'd, I'd love to have seen the advert, but there we go. It never, never made it <laughs> onto our screens. So I can that, picture it, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There we go. So yeah, Kai, Kai's doing well here, but let's see what can happen with this next one. <laughs> uh, okay, the next one we've got David Ginola and um, the experts in Newcastle Blair doing an advert for the bubble gum brand Hubba Bubba. <laughs> what um, do you reckon, Kai? My first inclination was to try to do a David Ginola impression saying Hubba Bubba, but I think for many reasons I shouldn't do that. So, um, but I, I think it happened. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to say true. Okay, Kai's going true. Kaz, what, what are you saying here? Yeah, I was going to go true. It just seems like, again, why would you make it up? <laughs> you probably have, but, you know, yeah, let's go true. Yeah, um, well, it was false. I oh. did make it up. I know you can see I've got too much free time, Kaz, clearly, to make up this stuff. Yeah, you know, I, I again, I would have loved to have seen it, but no, sadly, it didn't happen. Your mind um, is wild. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> right, so we got, we've got a couple more. We've got a couple more. Okay. We'll go with this next one, and it's Kevin Keegan advertising sugar puffs. <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> Kaz is not having that. False. <laughs> What's Kaz saying? I'll, again, just uh, to spice it up, I'll go, I might as well go with true. I'm ahead by two, so I'm either going to be ahead okay. by three or ahead by one yeah. after this. Yeah, yeah, this could be, this could seal it, I think, if Kai gets this. It's true. <laughs> Kevin Keegan, I think it's around the time of his rant. It did a did a sugar oh. pot advert, um, which is yeah, it's it's quite funny. Um, it's oh. worth watching. And then I'll, I'll give you guys one more. I think Kai's one, but we'll do one more. <laughs> for the so bad this. <laughs> <laughs> and the final one. It's actually two players. It's Morton Gamps Pedersen and John Arnarisa advertising fruit. Um, kind of fruit. <laughs> yeah, just yeah. Just fruit in general. <laughs> okay. 
Um, oh, fruit. <laughs> let's say uh, true. I guess Nor they were like, but get us a couple of left-footed Norwegians because that correlates okay. to, to fruit. Going true. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Kaz, what are you saying? I'm going to spice it up. <laughs> As Kai was saying. Um, yeah, I, I'm going to go false then. False. Okay. Kai's got it again. Oh. <laughs> it was um, rigged. It's true. And the, ball, the reason I just said fruit, because it, I think it's a Norwegian brand, which I couldn't see. But honestly, of all of the true ones I said, you need to watch the Morton Gamps, Pedersen and Arna Risa video. It is so strange. They're like lip sync, lip, lip syncing even. Um, yeah, very weird, very funny. Um, but yeah, there we go. There's some adverts that footballers advertise for or stuff I just made up. Mind blown. <laughs> I think I got one right, so you know, I'll take that. There you go. Better than none, better than none. Yeah. yeah, I really outdid myself in that one. On the Morton Gans Pedersen and John Arnorisa video shoot, there must have been a lot of um, hair gel on set because those guys I seem to remember having quite impressive hairdos back in the day. Otherwise, we're going to chat a bit more about Bristol Rovers. And I think historically, or recent history at least, um, the club was relegated uh, at the end of last season into League Two, uh, but prior years actually sort of came back from non-league, um, which was kind of a low point, uh, took a double promotion to League One. That was before the relegation last season. So on last season, I know this new season's just begun, but what in particular, Kaz, do you think went wrong last time out? To be honest, like it's difficult because... I think you don't know how much of a part not having fans and COVID and all that plays. I know it's not really like an excuse. and I think we probably would have went down anyway, but to finish rock bottom was a bit of a surprise considering our transfer window. Um, I'm not alone in saying that we all thought it was, you know, the best transfer window we'd have for years, but it was just, we brought in so many players who on paper, like should have done well should have done so much better than they did um however we did have an inexperienced manager in Bengana um so they gave Bengana the summer transfer window and then only gave him 10 games and he he didn't do like you know he didn't do well but like I've seen worse um and he lot I think he lost five um in the five of those 10 um which isn't you know horrendous um and they sacked him and you think well you've just given this guy a whole summer and he's brought in all of his own players who want to play under him and you've got rid of him and then they brought in Paul Tisdale who I was underwhelmed with when he came in he's not a fix he's not going to save us he did well at Exeter but he only did well at Exeter he doesn't really have great experience in League One brought in Paul Tisdale who didn't find us a striker which we desperately needed in the transfer window so we went the whole uh, the whole, whole January transfer window didn't bring in a striker that we needed he brought in two players didn't help us at all and then we're stuck then we know we haven't improved all the other teams that were battling around us did improve and we didn't so then it was just a slippery slope Paul Tisdale was in charge for about I want to say like 17 games horrendous record they sacked him brought in Joey Barton a man that's got a court case hanging over his head he's now got two but you know we won't go too much into that um a guy that's got a bad reputation, a guy that's really going to divide the fan base. <laughs> What's he to do? He can't, you know, he can't bring in his own players. Um, he can't work miracles here. You know, they they were on a downward spiral anyway. He somehow made us worse. <laughs> I mean, like we just were, yeah, we, we just couldn't buy a win by the end of the season. And uh, yeah, finished rock bottom. And to be honest, we deserved to. We were 
we were so bad. Um, obviously, fans weren't there at all, but I watched every game on iFollow and I just thought, yeah, just, we deserve to go down. And sadly, I think there was a lot of things that played a part. The one time that we did start to gain momentum, we were then hit with COVID. So we had two players test positive and then it was no training, no games for two weeks. And then we came back and then it was just loss, 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 loss. So, yeah, plenty of things to, to consider um, as to why it went wrong. But ultimately, it was just bad decisions from the very top, I would say. Yeah, COVID aside, it doesn't sound like um, the powers that be at the club necessarily set Rovers up for success. And then when they were backed no. into a corner, they thought, let's play a wild card and um, hire Joey Barton, which, as you said, we sort of saw how that worked out. Um, obviously he's still there so we'll, we'll see how it carries on in the long term we might talk a bit more about that in a moment but sort of diving a bit further back into Rovers history on a more positive note even the club have had some success in the past and then there's been certain characters from within their teams uh, of the past that have had kind of larger than life personalities and popularity that has extended beyond the local Bristol fan base I'm talking about the likes of Ricky Lambert and Ian Holloway in particular is there something in your opinion special about the culture and the environment around Rovers that sort of allows these cult hero characters to sort of blossom um, during their time at the club? And is, is there somebody uh, in and around the first team or, or the coaching staff these days that's kind of that larger than life character that the fans are, are really crazy about? At the moment, not really, no. I mean, the Joey Barton thing is just... <laughs> isn't it I mean what you know he's, he's got two court cases over him now and it just doesn't make for a nice atmosphere at all um but what I will say about Bristol Rovers, and I'm sure it's a, the case with many other clubs as well but that you know you, you'll get back from them what you give um if you give them a hundred percent um if you play for that shirt um if you show you're committed and you, you know you, you you prove that you, you've got the passion to, to win and and succeed then they will back you 100 percent. you know if you if you build that relationship with the supporters you will get that support back and um we've always had managers that divide the fan base um and in terms of like having a connection with the fans um in my time, uh, the biggest person I've seen that's built such a strong relationship with the fan base is Daryl Clark, um, the guy that got us two back-to-back promotions. Um, he, he, well, he did send us down initially, but it was out of his control. He just took over from John Ward and it was, he had a gig at Salisbury, um, but in the football league, he'd never been a manager before. Um, but, and like, to be honest, he's not, he's not the most experienced man in the world, but he, he built a, a team spirit and an atmosphere at the club that I've never seen before, like anywhere. Um, and I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm totally in love with the guy. You know, I just think if, if we had the opportunity to grab him back I, in a heartbeat and so many Rovers fans do the same thing. Um, he just got it. He got the fan base and the fans got him. And there, it was just like a love that you won't get anywhere else between like a manager and a fan base. And it was just so wonderful to see. And um, every time he walked across that pitch, the noise that came from behind that goal under that roof, just like, yeah, it, it like, it sends like shivers down my spine. You know, it gives me chills. It's just like, yeah, what he managed to achieve. I mean, he was bringing in players in, in the conference that were personal trainers in their day jobs. <laughs> and not, you know, he, he didn't really have the biggest budget. He didn't have, he didn't bring in the, the best of players, but what he managed to 
bring out of them and he got them to play at their very best and he got them to play with a heart on their sleeve every game and give 110% every game and that's all you really ask you don't necessarily need the best players in the world if you could create that team spirit within that squad no wonder there's no wonder we got back to back promotions with him because the players loved him the fans loved him the atmosphere he created we all look back on it now and we kill for it we absolutely kill for it right now because it's not just not the same since he left and I'm hoping that one day we'll get someone in. I don't think Joe Barton's going to be that man, unfortunately, because he's just got too much baggage. But yeah, I'm hoping that we'll get someone um, who has that sort of influence on our club soon, because yeah, it's just amazing. Well, maybe you can go to Port Vale and do a little swap deal, Barton for Clark. Maybe that will happen and we'll see. We'll see. But um, Kaz, you were obviously at... Um, Mansfield for the first game of the season and I know um, it didn't go to plan in that Bristol Rovers lost in the like the 96 minutes all sounds very gutting there was a red card as well for Rovers I know but um, I guess look it, it wasn't a good start but taking that aside what are you well I guess also having been to the game this will inform your opinion but what are you what are you hoping for Bristol Rovers this year should is it is it a case of you need to get back to League One immediately or is, is there more realistic games? What what is it what is a good season for Rovers this year in your opinion? I think we should be pushing up there. Like I, I think there's no excuse for it. I mean they've got themselves into this mess. They need to sort it out. Um we want to see progression. So yeah absolutely we we need to be top six challenging top six all season. Sadly I think there's a lot of factors that will stop us from doing that such as Joey Barton's court case mentioned like three times now, I'm so sorry. <laughs> but like, you know, like it's, it's no good having a manager having two court cases over his head. I mean, that's not going to be any good for team spirit, no good for morale. If he goes down in December, we're going to have to get someone else in and he's he's got his own players in, much like Ben Garner did last year. So, you know, how's that going to affect our season? Thankfully, if it all goes to plan it, it, and it does you know, and it doesn't happen then great. But if it does happen, it'll be before January and we can hopefully, Rovers in their mind are thinking if the worst case scenario happens in December, they've got someone in mind lined up, hopefully. Um, but yeah, so I think that's going to set us back massively, unfortunately. And oh, yeah, I'm not surprised there's a red card on Saturday. Joey Barton. <laughs> like I, I always said before we even got Joey in, I, I enjoyed playing against Joey Barton's side. I do think he plays good football, but... He could, these players bring out their nasty side under Joey Barton. He's just that kind of person. Like, he's a very physical type of player. He always was. And, you know, it's not the best having our captain. He's just been given the armband and he gets sent off. <laughs> you know, great. Me, my example, brilliant. Um, yeah, I think it's a big ask to go back at the first attempt. Um, so for me, I could see us just losing out, maybe 10th finish. Um I want to see us challenge. I want to see us up there. If we don't finish top half of that table, then it's a failure. That's yeah, I think I'd agree with you. I mean, like you said, you'd like to think that Bristol Rovers will, you know, give it a proper crack and, you know, at least get playoffs, but maybe yeah, at very worst top 10 and then go again next year. But um, mm. I guess I know he's, he's been brought up a bit, but it's hard, it's hard not to mention your manager, Jerry Barton, at the moment. Like you said, two court cases, uh, you know, assault charges, all sorts of nasty stuff going on, awful things that he's allegedly done. Um, what does the Bristol Rovers fan base feel about this? Are there, do people want him just gone immediately now and just to start again with someone else? What is what is the general feeling amongst the fan base about Joey Barton? 
so divided. It's so split. I like. I'm not even kidding. When I, we did a, a poll on our um, on our Gascast Twitter page, just say you know, are you barting in, suspend him or sack him? And it was thirty percent, thirty percent, thirty percent. Like just completely like I've never seen division like it in a fan base. It's like completely split. Um, I would say, yeah. I mean, no one knows really what the solution is right now. Um, can you sack an innocent man if he's found to be innocent? Can you sack him? Can Joey Barton then like come back at the club if they do and he found it innocent? Like there's so many like rules around it, you know, and I don't know what the contract says and it's all very legal and like, yeah, I don't know what they're meant to do. I do feel for the club in this situation because they're not going to win with whatever they do. If they sack him, they're not going to win. If they suspend him, they're not going to win. And if they keep him, they're not going to win. So They've said if he's found guilty, they'll sack him. That's the right thing. I mean, they cannot, cannot, cannot keep him on if he's found guilty. If he's found guilty, and yeah, I think that's fair. Um, yes, it's not very nice, and there are fans that aren't going, and they've said they will not go until he's out of this club or until the court case is concluded, um, which is really sad. I mean, sh- they shouldn't have to make that decision, but fortunately, the club have decided to appoint Joey in the first place, knowing that he had that court case over him. They knew it was a risk and they're going to have to deal with it. If he's found guilty, they're going to have to do the right thing and, and sack him, which I fully trust that they would do. Um, for me personally, I'm, I'm just keeping an open mind about it all right now because yeah, it's not, it's not set in stone. It's not concluded. You never know what, what's going to come of it. And I'm not going to let it impact my love for the game and my love for my club. It's one man. It's my club. It's not his. Um, and I've been waiting 17 months to go back to see my club again. And for me as well, like the, the how much I've missed it. I just think, am I going to let something that's not concluded, that's something that's like, you know, impending, stop me from going to support my team? There's so many people that I love at this club. So many of those players I've done podcasts with and I just, I love them. And there's so many people that I miss in the fan base. I want to see again, it's community. And yeah, for me personally, it doesn't stop me, but I understand why people don't want to go to, I'm not going to judge anyone for not going, but I'm also not going to judge anyone for going. I think it's a personal choice and everyone needs to do what they feel comfortable with. And that's the latest situation. <laughs> no, I think I think that was well said. And like you said, you're you're ultimately you know you're a Bristol Rovers fan. You're part of a strong community of fans. You're not a fan of Joey Barton, and, and that that's still all to play out. Perhaps, like you said earlier as well, perhaps in hindsight, maybe he shouldn't have been appointed in the first place. But that's happened now, and I guess we will all just wait and see what happens on the Joey Barton front. But then let's talk a bit about her game too now which is something that you're of course a founder of and that is obviously a campaign with the aim of fostering ethos in football in which women are welcomed and respected equally um look this is clearly a very important issue for you and um, your fellow co-founders or the people in the team um what to, for you is success for her game too so the main thing is just to keep raising awareness of it. And what we want to do ultimately is to build a safe space at football for female supporters. It's all based on our own experiences and how we felt with it and talking to other female fans and hearing what they've got to say. And I just, it just, it shouldn't be allowed. I look at young girls that come to Rovers and I think they're going to grow up into this 
toxic atmosphere they might not have skin as thick as mine I mean like I've had wobbles of course I mean everyone does um but ultimately I think I have dealt with a lot of stuff that's been thrown my way and I think I've dealt with it quite well considering what people say and what people do but there are people that are much more vulnerable than me and I don't want any women to feel I've seen it I've seen girls say they're not going back because of things and I don't I don't want any woman to feel like that it's a game like it's a game and it's a club and I think if I if I ever lost Bristol Rovers, like I would lose part of me. And I think why should anyone be void of that love for a club? Because someone's been, someone's been telling them they don't belong there and they don't deserve to be there. So success for me would be getting the football clubs on board with us, getting as many allies, you know, men and women that go to football behind us, supporting us, looking out for their female supporters and together building that safe environment with these clubs. I mean, I've been so, so many emails, so many meetings, just like trying to see what we can do. Um, and a lot of them have been fantastic and saying they support it and setting up ways in which women can safely and anonymously report abuse that they've had at the game. Um, so if they're getting any harassment at the game or someone's trying to touch them or, or do things that make them feel uncomfortable, they can text a number, they can call a number, they can say I'm in seat G row nine or something. Um, you know, like you know, some guys just won't leave me alone and then the guy will be thrown out or dealt with in some sort of way. And if we can build that atmosphere, then hopefully we'll see more women going to games in the future and feeling comfortable going to games in the future. And maybe some women who don't go at the moment will return. And I just want to see... I want to see less of that like male to female ratio. I want to see it more evened out. Um, so if I've done that, if it takes two years, if it takes five years, if it takes 10 years, as long as that happens, then we've done our job is, is what I think. Brilliant. That's a great answer. And look, you know, I've, I've gone to football with my mum and my sister for years. I know Kaitel back when he was in London at Arsenal always went with his mum. Like, you know, we, we want, you know, women and men to have big, you know, the same experience at a game and enjoy it the same way so yeah we we fully support it but then one of the things you were mentioning was also you know partnering with clubs and I can see already that you know you've got links with Tranmere Rovers with Bristol Rovers of course and um, with a few other teams in kind of um, non-league as well and a few women's teams so going forward is this something you're, you're very much keen to partner with as many clubs that will kind of want to be involved is that is that the plan? Yeah, I mean, I've got I've contacted them all. <laughs> I've been a very busy girl. Um, yeah, so yeah, as many as possible. Um, I think it's so important. I think the amount of girls, I mean, we did a survey and the, there's so many different clubs that I mentioned in the survey. You know, I've been to Southend, I've been to Spurs, I've been to Chelsea. And it's like, it's, it's, a, it's an issue that's like, the same across all of the football league and the premier league it's it's a, a universal issue really um and yeah if we could get as many clubs behind it as possible then we're helping out as many female fans as possible so yes it's hard it's hard work and it's a lot for us to do um to have these constant meetings and phone calls and trying to convince people that you know this i mean i say convince a lot of these clubs have been like fully behind it they've been absolutely brilliant um Bristol Rovers were one of the first um Gateshead FC um who are in the National League were absolutely brilliant um Forest Green Rovers who haven't announced yet but they've god they sent me a massive email about what they want to do to help out and I just think it's clubs like this that are setting an example and it's just really lovely to see um yeah we've got a few more um due to announce obviously 
they all want to do it in their own unique ways and which is fantastic some want to dedicate a fixture to her going to some want to put perimeter boards up some want to put posters up but the main thing is they're all making this pledge and we need as many clubs as possible to make this pledge against sexist abuse. Um, obviously, we've got Kick It Out campaign, which do a brilliant job against racism. And I think that's been really effective. You don't see it, it still happens sadly, but you don't see it as much. People get banned for being racist. People get threatened to you know, not be able to return to their clubs. And that's where the power is. The power is with these football clubs, because if they say you carry on discriminating, then you won't be welcome back. And that's where these trolls will then step back and say it's not worth it because that their love for the game will overpower any stupid comment that they might make they won't want to lose their club they won't want to lose their social out with their friends so if they're told that they can't go back because they're being discriminated you know they're discriminating against someone then it's going to work isn't it and it's going to stop them from doing it and they might still think it you can never change some people's minds unfortunately they're neanderthals like sadly you can't change their mind um so yeah it's that, that's the main aim is to get people to pledge and, and get clubs to take action against this sort of behavior. Yeah, it's amazing work that you're doing. And it's exciting that you've got these, you know, numerous clubs in the in the background waiting to sort of formally announce <clears throat> announce their pledge to the to the campaign. Um, couldn't agree more, just you know, the necessity, the necessity for it in the first place. Um, curious to know what the response outside of those partnerships that you've um tried to negotiate has been just in general maybe on on twitter obviously is a pretty active place for these things um have you obviously i would only assume received great response from the women on twitter but what's the response from from men been like in general um have you received some backlash has this sort of changed your life quite a lot since the her game two campaign has begun yeah um like unfortunately like my mental health has taken a bit of a battering because of it but someone had to do it so if it's to be anyone, I'm kind of glad it is me because, like I said earlier, if it's someone a bit more vulnerable, then you know it's, things can go very badly. Um, and yeah, my main worry about the backlash that we've received—I mean, I will stress—a lot of it's very positive. Like I, I've been very overwhelmed by the response. Really, um, I just did it. Like you know, I just thought I'm just going to do it. Just see what happens. <laughs> Yeah, just go for it post it FA Cup final day let's go um and then for us to go second trending on FA Cup final day when we first posted the video and to get a million views in 24 hours was beyond anything we ever expected um and yeah it was it was hard I mean I I, I did have a lot of nice comments um and but I did get to the point where I stopped reading the quote tweets because there was a lot of horrible comments because there always is this sort of thing um a lot of people saying it doesn't happen a lot of people saying uh well, i had that i've had i've probably had abuse probably every other day if not every day from it which is tiring exhausting i had a, a bristol city fan today um who was just he was raging and I don't, I don't know why i didn't say anything my it was actually leah who's one of the co-founders of the campaign sort of quoted an incident at Bristol City where a woman got spiked. Um, I don't know if you saw it, but obviously quite a bad incident. We were tagged, our, our Twitter page was tagged in it, you know, and said, oh, can you raise awareness of this issue? Of course, you know, we're about safety of females in football and a, a female has been targeted at the football. So it is, there is like a, a relevancy with it. Um, and we've been asked to raise awareness. So if we ignored it, then people would be like, why are you ignoring this? It's quite a big thing. So Leah has put out a tweet and this guy has responded saying that it's really crass that we're 
using that incident to like promote ourselves and he started going off and he tagged me in it and was like oh Kaz is trying to get famous and oh like these insta model wannabes and just started going off on one anyway I didn't I didn't retaliate because I've started to think in my mind I don't have time for these people so I just blocked him but that blocking then spurred him on to continue and I know people are looking out for me when they tell me about things like they are just looking out for me oh by the way he's saying this he's saying that he didn't take well to me blocking him so now he's gone off you know on one about saying uh, that I'm stealing the profits from her game too, which is not true. It's not even like, you know, I don't make the merchandise. I don't take any money. It's Hope and Glory Sportswear, who are a trusted company, have offered to make her game too merchandise and has offered to donate the profits to charity, which they have done. I've selected two charities and we split the, the profits so far evenly between those two. Um, but again, I'm giving an accuser of stealing the profits. Um, he's called me a compulsive liar. I don't know what I've lied about, but you know. Um, and then he's saying um, that he started mentioning my private life, which is a bit, he started mentioning my relationship and saying that, oh, you don't see her boyfriend on Twitter. Oh, that's because she wants to, she wants men to think she's single so she can like take the profits and like it's a marketing, marketing thing um, and also accused us of making up the survey results and all of the results we've got from this survey from these girls I mean we spent ages finding these fans and saying please can you do this for us and girls have come out and, and admitted that some of the responses were from them so to accuse us of, of, of that and me specifically is is tiring um is damaging because people do unfortunately read things online and just believe what they hear and I've obviously got that anxiety and that fear that someone is going to believe it and I'm there trying to justify myself and tagging in the charities that we've donated to and I'm like you know like I, I didn't want to have to I didn't feel the need to say oh by the way we've donated to these charities as long as the charities know that they've got the, the funds then you know that's all I care about but unfortunately once again I'm having to justify it and it's just, it's tiring. I think people just don't agree with the campaign. They have a misogynistic side to them and um, they're trying their very best to drag it down in, in, the, in the best way possible. And that's what's sad. And, and that's what I found with a lot of the trolls is it's, it's a, a sudden hate for me because I've started this campaign. They think I've done it for attention, which is really boring because if I did it for attention, I wouldn't have got the other girls on board. And I wouldn't be championing other women like I am at the moment. I'm retweeting girls. I'm trying to get their stories and I'm putting them up on the website and, you know, I'm getting other girls involved. It's not just about me at all. Um, I feel so passionate about this. It's from a personal experience. Um, and I just think if people are saying, you know, I'm not genuine about it, it's, it's really hurtful. It really is. Um, but I know I can't escape it and, you know, it's going to keep happening. Unfortunately, the bigger this campaign gets, it's it's just going to keep happening. So I've just got to develop a thick skin. Um, I think I'm going to have a break from Twitter for a few days just to focus on, oh no, I've got a full-time job. <laughs> I need to like, I need to, to focus on that and I need to focus on talking to these clubs and just stay away from the trolls that really don't matter. They really don't. Yes, well done. You've hurt me. You've upset me. What more do you want? Congratulations, do you want a medal? <laughs> no, it's done. Sorry, little, little rant there, but you know, it's off my chest now. <laughs> it's done. No, it sounds exhausting. And then of course, you know, you mentioned a full-time job on, on top of that. And people really do quite easily forget on on the cyberspace of Twitter and whatnot that people have their own lives and that we're all yeah, human beings and that it's not okay mm -hmm. to just say what you think. And ironically, the people who are accusing you of attention sort of stealing are 
you know when they make these tweet themselves that is a cry for attention in and of itself so yeah. it's 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 kind of just this sad cycle it's it's also sad to see sort of the toxicity that can exist in in football twitter and sort of that that football social space because you can see the positive side of it for instance here today you know football being the thing that's brought the three of us together to have this conversation but then of course there is that that darker side of it so i guess you know what you're doing is is very impressive and very you know noble sort of sounds condescending but i genuinely mean that is you're you know you're fighting a good fight and uh, you mentioned kick it out with racism and you know of course there's been campaigns like rainbow laces and stuff and i, I genuinely do see this her game two movement as something right up there that needs to make it you know to to all of the the ends of, of football at every level and it, it's it's so important so yeah thankfully you do have a thicker skin than most because because it, it does sound genuinely tiring putting up with this but what what do you think could be done to help you i know you said you know you're considering taking a break from social media we we've seen the there was the blackout on social media to against um, to stand up against racism and racist abuse online does the same thing need to happen to promote this this issue with sexism and and does twitter and and these social media platforms need to ban people who you know racist abuse is one thing but at the end of the day it's it's not okay to be sexist either do people need to be banned yeah i think it all falls under the same umbrella doesn't it sexism racism homophobic abuse this discrimination against something that people can't control um so yeah i think all forms of discrimination should be dealt with but unfortunately twitter is big platform um they're not introducing the ID side of things, which I think is a great idea. Because I find, again, like with this guy earlier, no profile picture, no name. Like it's it's easy for someone just to make a fake account and say what they want. And I would just, I would love for Twitter to do something about it, but unfortunately they just don't seem to be listening. Um, so I just think, you know, the power of what I found at the moment is I've been calling a lot of stuff out lately and a lot of my friends tell me to stop doing it. But with one that I had the other day, which again was just you know, someone I don't know, he's angry because Bristol Rovers have put Hurricane Two mugs in the club shop and are saying they're donating it to grassroots women's football and he profits to grassroots women's football. What's the issue with that? I mean, it's insane. But again, someone quoted it and, and used it as a personal attack on me. Um, so I called it out and um, obviously people had saw it, didn't agree with what he'd said and piled in on him basically and he got everything that he deserved um it was just a lot of people saying you're out of order like what's the matter with you um and you know he was biting back at a few people but then the, he must have got so overwhelmed with the amount of messages he was getting that he then put himself on private and deleted the tweets so it, like, I think the, you know a lot of people say don't call it out but at the same time when you do and people res respond in that way and tell this person actually what you know I don't find it funny I don't think what you're saying is cool and he sees actually what he said is is yeah not getting a the response that he wanted they then tend to backtrack so I think I think yeah a lot of people need to start calling out this behavior for what it is and a lot of people sadly in this day and, day and age are writing these things for likes for retweets to make people laugh and when they see people aren't laughing anymore that's when they stop doing it. So if Twitter, I mean, it's sad they're not doing it. I, I hope that we could keep pushing and we could keep asking for it and we could keep fighting for Twitter to introduce something to stop these anonymous accounts. But if they're not, then I think we should just 
we should just do it ourselves, you know, build an army against these people, call it out, um, tell them that it's just not funny and it's not cool. And, you know, it will then hopefully stop. But, you know, at the moment, it's just kind of like, I just have to keep a thick skin, try and ignore them and focus on the people that do support me and, and that are there for me and, you know, <laughs> don't hate me. <laughs> Well, fortunately, I know there's a lot of trolls on the internet, but you, there's been such a positive response to her game too, and that you got you got two fans here on this podcast. I know it's not many, but there's two here, yeah. and there's plenty, plenty more, I'm sure. But um, that is where we are going to end today. Um, as always, thank you to my co-host, Kaitel, and then a massive thank you to Kaz as well. It has really been a pleasure speaking to you about well, even Bristol Rovers, I should say, but also <laughs> uh, her game too um, as well. Um, Kaz, how can our listeners best follow you and everything you're doing at her game too? Um, so we're on Instagram, we're on Twitter and we're on Facebook. It's just at her game too. Um, you should find it fairly easy. Um, and also there's a website, hergame2.co.uk, which has all the links to all our socials. Um, some lovely blog posts on there written by some female fans from their perspective. Um, yeah, it's just like, yeah, if you, if you look us up, then it's got everything all about us on there. So would really appreciate any support from anyone. Um, obviously, we get a lot of grief. So any any kind words are just so, so appreciated, like you wouldn't believe. And thank you guys for having me on today. I've really, really enjoyed this. It's been therapeutic. It's been nice to vent and get things off my chest. But again, like you said, it's nice to meet fellow football fans from across the globe and yeah it's great to, to, to build that connection with you guys so thank you uh, thank you very much Kaz and yeah anytime you feel like venting uh, we'll be here if you want to be a guest on the show otherwise good luck with everything else that you've got going on best of luck with her game too hopefully people will give you a break with these crazy conspiracy theories about you embezzling from um, the campaign that are just nonsense so otherwise for our listeners if you've enjoyed this podcast, please do give us a follow, give us a like, a subscribe. You can find us on your favorite podcast streaming platform. Just look for United Mates Football Podcast. Same for our YouTube channel as well. And then across social media, we're at United Mates FP for Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Check out the website. That's www.unitedmatesfp.com. Until next time, everyone, though, take care of yourselves and take care of each other. Goodbye. <laughs>